Every generation has been concerned about the future. People want to know what the future holds for family members, for the economic climate, for health care, future pandemics, and even if there is a great reset coming. People will seek out anyone who can predict the future and how to prepare for it. Some are looking to futurists, politicians, the United Nations, climate scientists, preppers, and even tech billionaires to know where the world is headed. What do all of these have in common? None of them can tell you the future exactly as it will be. Listen to Proverbs 19:21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Future does not lie in the intentions of men or nations. The future lies in the purpose of God. Listen to Isaiah 46, 8 through 10. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. God's purpose for mankind, this world, and eternity future can be discovered in the Bible. In the book of Revelation, God reveals the future of the church, the believers in Christ. And in the book of Revelation, God reveals the future of the nation of Israel and the other nations of the world. Unlike the doomsday predictors today, who jet around the world warning about the climate catastrophe that is coming, God shares the future as a blessing to those who are discerning. In the book of Revelation, God's hope for His people is revealed. As we go through this study, we're going to see the great climatic events that will bring the world to the close of history when time shall be no more. And we will witness hope revealed in God's eternal plans for those who live by faith. There are thousands of voices and hundreds of books out today that offer a glimpse of the future. But there is only one book that you can stake your future to. And that book is the Bible, and specifically the final book, the book of Revelation, God's Hope Revealed. What will we see in Revelation? We will see light and darkness opposing each other. We will read an eyewitness account of the throne room in heaven. We will see God and the Lamb, Christ Jesus. We will see a new Jewish temple in Jerusalem. We will witness terrible, cataclysmic events that will cause the death of billions. We will witness a great deception perpetrated all over the world. We will witness the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in revival. We will see in this book a river of blood 200 miles long and 6 feet deep and 10 miles wide. We will witness the victorious return of Christ in person to this earth. We will see Christ, the righteous, judging the survivors of the tribulation. We will see the binding of Satan. We will see Christ's millennial kingdom established. We will see the final battle on earth. We will see the great white throne judgment. We will see the new creation. And finally, we will catch a glimpse of eternity, both for those who choose Christ and those who reject Christ. The difference in the destinations may come as a shock. Now let's take a look at the basic background of Revelation. First, its authorship. The author identifies himself four times in the book. 
Early tradition held that John the Apostle wrote the fourth gospel, three epistles, and the book of Revelation. The author is revealed in the book itself. External identification of authorship comes from two Christian writers who lived in the second century, just a few short decades following the writing of the book. Justin the Martyr, known now as Justin Martyr, lived in the second century. He was a Christian who defended the faith against Gnosticism, Docetism, and Marcionism. Irenaeus also lived in the second century. Irenaeus was a student of Polycarp, who was a disciple of the Apostle John. Both Justin Martyr and Irenaeus wrote of John's authorship. Looking at the historical timeline, it is clear to see that some in John's original audience were alive during the time of Justin Martyr and Irenaeus. Their claims that John the Apostle wrote the book were not disputed by those who lived in that time. Speaking of the time of writing, Revelation was written in the last decade of the first century, near the end of Domitian's reign. Domitian, the emperor of Rome, reigned from A.D. 81 through 96. Domitian was the last emperor of the Flavian dynasty. It is reported that he poisoned his brother Titus to become emperor. Now, what were the circumstances of the author? Revelation begins with John, the last surviving apostle, and now an old man, living in exile on the small barren island of Patmos. John had been arrested while ministering to the churches in and around Ephesus. He was banished on Patmos because of his faithful preaching of the gospel. Chapter 1, verse 9 tells us that. At that time, Christian churches were currently under persecution. One pastor had been martyred, we see in chapter 2, verse 13. And we also see John had been exiled. But the worst was yet to come for the churches, according to chapter 2, verse 10. While unable to be with them physically, John desired to encourage them and exhort them to follow God's command, we see in chapter 1, verse 11. And thus, he wrote the book of Revelation to them. We see that purpose in verse 4 of chapter 1. Now, what was the inspiration of the author? While on Patmos, John received a series of visions that laid out the future history of the world. After writing what he saw, John was able to send the book to the churches to provide a message of hope that God is in sovereign control of all events of human history, and that even though evil often appeared pervasive and the wicked all-powerful, their ultimate defeat was certain. Christ's message of hope revealed in the book of Revelation was powerful. In the future, Christ himself will come in glory to judge and to rule the world. And what's the content of the book? The direction John was given as well as the outline for the book of Revelation is found in the 19th verse of chapter 1. Revelation 1, 19. Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. In Revelation, we will study what John has seen in the past, what things are happening in his present, and what things will take place in his and our future. If you open up commentaries of Revelation, you will find numerous ways to organize its chapters. Here are two ways. First, there are themes of Revelation. Christ is the theme in chapter 1, the church is the theme in chapters 2 and 3, and the consummation of history is found in chapters 4 through 22. And here's a second way, the ages of Revelation. 
we see the church age in chapters 1 through 3. We see the tribulation period in chapters 4 through 19. We see the kingdom age in chapter 20. And we see eternity in chapters 21 through 22. And so we must ask the question, why study Revelation? The reason is found in the first three verses. Revelation 1, 1 through 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. There are two approaches to Revelation that lead one to say, Eh, why bother? Some say the book cannot be understood and therefore should not be studied. Some will point out the differences of interpretation have divided Christians throughout the centuries. So why study what cannot be definitively understood or what will cause disunity in the church? That's one reason why some believe Revelation should not be highlighted. The other extreme is that there are those who believe the details of Revelation should be analyzed and the dates and symbols determined, and that becomes their single focus for Bible study. Revelation is often the only book that people care to open and study. They become basically so heavenly-minded that they are of no earthly good. The proper approach to Revelation is that the book is important and profitable like all other scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Revelation, like all the other books of the Bible, is worthy of study and should affect our living today and tomorrow. What's so important about the study of Revelation? Number one, Revelation provides God's view of future history. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Not all who attempt to interpret Revelation agree on its prophetic nature. There are at least four different views of the interpretation of Revelation as prophecy. These four different views of the interpretation of Revelation include view number one. The book of Revelation describes events of the past. This is known as the preterist or historical view. Preterism comes from the Latin word for past. Revelation is seen as the story of the early church. Chapters 5 through 11 are the church's victory over Judaism. Chapters 12 through 19, her victory over pagan Rome. And chapters 20 and 22, her glory because of those victories. The entire book is seen as being fulfilled by the time of Constantine in 312 AD. Thus, there are things to learn from history, but it's not a prediction of the future, according to the preterist view. Here's a second view. The book of Revelation is a continuous, symbolic view of human history and the church. This is also known as the panoramic or the historicist view. Revelation is seen as a summary of secular and church history. Some believe that the past, present, and future is included. But here's a problem. Placing every event in history into the chapters and verses of Revelation is impossible to do. 
it's hard to fit all of the world events into the pattern of Revelation. View number three. The book of Revelation is a parable. This is also known as allegorical, symbolic, or the idealist view of Revelation. Here's the interpretation. Revelation is written in symbolic language, and that because it is written in symbolic language, it is not necessarily depicting literal events. Those who hold this view believe that the book does not contain actual events, but portrays the age-long struggle of good versus evil. This view became dominant in the 4th century as Constantine and Rome accepted the Christian faith. The problem with the allegorical view is this. How do you preach about Christ coming to rule and reign when you have a Roman emperor on the throne? You allegorize, or spiritualize it, and that is what Origen and Augustine would do. That view is now prevalent in the Roman Catholic Church. In other words, when the Bible talks about the stars falling from heaven, when the Bible talks about the moon turning to blood and the sun to darkness, or when the Bible talks about great hailstones falling from heaven as a judgment of God, it's not talking about literal things, but it's an allegorical presentation of spiritual truth. The allegorical view believes revelation is a description simply of the struggle between good and evil. Then there's the fourth view, the view that I adhere to. The book of Revelation is a prophecy of future events. This is also known as the futuristic or prophetic view. The main body of Revelation, chapters 4 through 22, describe future events during the last times. I believe view number 4, the book of Revelation is a prophecy of future events, is the best way to study and read Revelation. And why do I say that it's prophetical? The Bible says it is a prophecy in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, and several other places. Revelation 22, 7. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Revelation 22, 10. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. And Revelation 22, 18 and 19. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. One way of defining prophecy is God's plan in perspective. A prophecy generally includes a futuristic meaning for current events. Here's an example. Isaiah the prophet prophesied to Israel about the coming of Jesus Christ and the Incarnation in Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 9. He said that there would be one who would come who was wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and that he would sit upon the throne of his father David, he would reign forever and ever. That was a message of encouragement to the people of Isaiah's day, but it also had a futuristic meaning that Christ one day would come, that he would be God that he would be man, and that he would eventually reign on the earth. Today we find that there are more than 300 Old Testament prophecies and promises that refer to Christ's second coming, as well as 330 verses in the New Testament. 330 verses? That's 1 in 25. 
1 and 25 verses in the New Testament directly refer to Christ's second coming. How important is the second coming? For every reference to this first coming, there are eight references to his second coming. Yes, it is clear to see that Revelation is a prophecy that the whole Bible points to. How do we know it's prophecy? Well, the events in the book of Revelation have not taken place. When you examine the material in the book of Revelation, you will find events that are unprecedented in human history. Revelation talks about a time when a third of the vegetation of the earth is burned up. All of the oceans so polluted that sea life can no longer exist in them. A third of the world's population is killed, and a third of the fresh water is polluted. Those events have yet to happen. What all these things sound like is the recipe of destruction that is pronounced by the climate industry for years. And while the climate industry claims the coming destruction will be caused by humans, the Bible makes it clear that future cataclysmic changes in our world will be the result of God. And while these times are coming, there has been no time when those events have taken place in the past or in the present. Therefore, we must be talking about future events. It also talks about Satan being cast into the lake of fire, that he would no longer trouble the earth. Now, if it is history past, has there ever been a time in history past when the devil has been incarcerated in the lake of fire? And the Bible says he'll be there forever and forever and forever. That's never taken place. Therefore, you cannot justify a view that says it is simply history, that it is written about the early church, or that it's purely symbolic. Revelation describes future events that have yet to take place, but will. Here's another important consideration. The events in Revelation must take place in order for Old Testament prophecy to be fulfilled. Did you know that there are 404 verses in Revelation and around 800 references to Old Testament prophecy? What did Jesus say about the Word of God? He said, Heaven and earth shall pass away. You read about heaven and earth passing away in the book of Revelation. But he also said, My word will never pass away. The Old Testament prophesies the reign of Christ on earth, and yet Christ has never reigned on earth. Prophesies the, the coming of Israel to their Messiah, Jesus Christ. And yet Israel has never turned to their Messiah. And so, in order for the word of God to be fulfilled, Revelation must be a prophecy and these events must take place. A second reason why Revelation is important to be studied, Revelation promises a blessing to those who read it and hear it. No other book promises a blessing. Listen to Revelation 1.3 again. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Blessed or blessed means highly favored, or to be congratulated, or happy is he. God says, if you will read it, hear it, and obey it, that means put it into practice in your life, then he will bless you. That is a wonderful promise of God. What do we mean when we say, Lord, give me a blessing? A blessing is something that God adds to your life that cannot be achieved in any other way except through God's supernatural provision. It's something that you have from God that you would not normally have. So there is something God wants to give you 
there is a blessing he wants to convey upon you. You know, there are many things in life that can be studied. I enjoy studying and practicing the art of photography, as well as history. Both provide enjoyment for me, and I'm enlightened. And while I'm blessed with the opportunities to be able to study both, there is another level of blessing to the study of Revelation. Here's what I've discovered when I see my life and my world through the lens of Revelation. First, I experience less discouragement when I hear bad news. Second, I am reminded that I can turn to God in prayer for my needs. And third, I am assured that living faithfully for Him in this world will be rewarded. Those have been my experiences. I believe you too will experience certain blessings from God for studying Revelation. Those blessings include, but are not limited to, your faith will be strengthened, your prayer life will be more focused, and your perspective on world events will change. How is that possible? Because you will begin to interpret current events in light of the ultimate victory that is ours in Christ. That's why people often say, I've read the back of the book, and I know who wins. And here's something else that we need to pay attention to. Notice in verse 1 the change from singular to plural. Here, let me read Revelation 1-3 again. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. The book was to be read publicly there in the first century. The book was to be shared. And that sounds obvious. Who would write a book and not want to publish it? God's plan for the book was for people, especially believers, to hear it read, read it themselves, and then respond to the truth that was received. The study of Revelation was to provide the blessing of encouragement as well as a challenge for obedience. Truth is simply of no profit if it is simply in the head. It must be received into the heart. And thus, the book of Revelation is, is to be more than just interpreted. If all we do is interpret the beast of Revelation 13, if all we do is interpret the Antichrist or the great harlot of Revelation chapter 18, or the four horsemen of Revelation 6, all that interpretation, knowledge, and an understanding will profit us very little. Instead, we've got to see not only what it means, but how it applies and how it affects our daily lives. Now that's the condition of the promise. You've got to read it, you've got to receive it, and you must respond to it. Now what is the content of this promise? Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. The word revelation means to unveil or to uncover. It comes from a compound Greek word, apokalupto. Apo means to take away. Kalupto means to cover. So, revelation means to take away the covering. Some will say, don't study the book of Revelation. Nobody can understand it. It wasn't meant to be understood. And so it will really profit you nothing to study it. That's what some people say. But what does God say in His Word? God says revelation is an unveiling, an apocalypto. It's the revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. 
there are things that are concealed to Old Testament persons that are now revealed to those who live in the New Testament. Listen to Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. I believe in Daniel, he was talking about the knowledge of the coming of Christ. So many of the things we see in Revelation that were difficult to understand, even 40 years ago, are becoming more and more clear to us today. And speaking of clarity, why did God speak in symbols in the book of Revelation? The Revelation contains symbols like the beast, locusts, four and twenty elders, so many other symbols. Why? Well, number one, I believe, symbols convey meaning that never changes, whereas words sometimes change in their meaning from one generation to the next. Here's an example. The King James Version translated agape, which means the unique God kind of love, as charity. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul would write, charity never fails. Well, today, charity means something entirely different because the meaning of words often change over the course of time. On the other hand, symbols convey meanings that never change. A beast is always a beast. A horse is always a horse. A crown is always a crown. And so if we can understand what these symbols mean, then Revelation is always up to date. It's never irrelevant because symbols never change in their meaning. Now, here's a second reason symbols were used. Symbols served as a code to keep the Roman Empire and the pagans from understanding the meaning of the book. And remember, Christians were being persecuted by the Roman government. How did these symbols keep unbelievers from understanding the message while making clear the message to believers? We need to note, first, almost 50% of the time the book of Revelation will interpret its own symbols. As you read it, it will tell you what the symbols mean. Here's an example of that in Revelation chapter 1. Revelation 1, 12-13 Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. Okay, that's verses 12 and 13. Here's verse 16 of Revelation 1. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Okay, in those verses we see a number of symbols. What in the world do they mean? In 50% of the cases, we'll find the answer in Revelation itself. Listen to Revelation 1.20. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And so we see that symbols, 50% of the time, are identified in the book itself. The other 50% of the symbols are interpreted in another book of the Bible. Reading and studying the whole Bible is then needed for proper interpretation and understanding of Revelation. Now back to the promise of the book of Revelation. Promise is a promise of enlightenment. The blessing that we're going to receive comes because we are enlightened as to what God says about the last days. And then it's also a promise of encouragement. It is not the revelation of the Apostle John. It's the revelation given to John of Jesus Christ. It is the uncovering, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. This provides great encouragement. How? Because we will see in Jesus Christ, evil will be finally judged. 
You will be encouraged because you realize that although there is injustice, there is corruption, there is greed, there is hatred, there are starving children, there are all these problems in the world, you realize that one day God's going to right the wrong. God's going to balance the scales and he's going to make sure that evil is punished. Evil will not prevail. God will. That's one encouragement. Here's a second encouragement. We're encouraged by reading Revelation because our redemption will be consummated. To understand the other parts of the Bible, particularly Genesis, you have to understand Revelation because what began in Genesis is consummated in Revelation. Listen clearly to what is consummated in Revelation. Genesis is the story of creation, and Revelation is the story of the recreation of a new heaven and a new earth. Genesis tells the story of how man lost paradise, and Revelation is the encouragement of how man will regain paradise. Genesis introduces the tree of life. Remember, Adam and Eve were driven from it, and Revelation is the story of how man is invited back to the tree of life. Genesis introduces Satan, the adversary, and Revelation shows how Satan will be destroyed. Genesis introduces sin and sorrow, and Revelation proclaims the end of sin and sorrow, when God will wipe away all the tears from our eyes. Genesis testifies of the first death, Cain killing his brother Abel, and Revelation will proclaim that death will be no more. Genesis tells the story of how Adam lost dominion over all things, and Revelation tells of how all things will be restored to Adam and his descendants. Genesis is the story of the first woman, the first bride who was provided as a helpmate for her husband. And Revelation is the story of the last bride, the bride of Christ. Genesis is the story of how Adam and Eve are separated from God. And Revelation proclaims our future in God's presence forevermore. Those are a lot of reasons to be encouraged by the study of Revelation. The Bible describes two great events. There was a creation, and coming is our redemption. Revelation will complete the story. That wraps up part one, answering the question, why study the book of Revelation? Next week, I'll share two more reasons it's important to study the final book of the Bible. I hope you will listen to part two next week. Thank you for listening to the Discover the Bible podcast with Dr. James Harms. Occasionally, I will upload Prophecy 101 episodes to share more prophecy basics, as well as any questions I receive through my email at discoverthebiblepodcast at gmail.com. I will attempt to answer all questions through email and possibly through future podcasts as well. Thanks again for listening to the Discover the Bible podcast. It is a privilege to teach the awesome truths of God's Word.